So you listened to the Brendan one a little bit? Yeah, not the entire one. Uh, it's quite long. I know he but, likes uh, it. he likes to talk. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was uh, I was in the car, and uh, it's actually pretty cool to listen to podcasts in the car. And uh, yeah, it was it was fun to listen. But then after four after forty five minutes, I was like uh, I was home, so I. I stopped yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you're like enough of Brendan anyway. <laughs> carrying huge space. Look how fast he's going. Polar opposite of the conditions he won in Lords. Rain so close. Getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time. Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. This is Moving the Needle Podcast, and I've got to thank you so much for all the awesome feedback and the ratings and reviews you've been giving on the podcast platforms. This week, I've got none other than legend himself, Nino Schruter, on the show. Nino is the five-time reigning world champion of cross-country mountain biking. He's the reigning Olympic champion and the reigning World Cup champion. There's nothing this man hasn't won. But I'm so impressed when I'm lucky enough to ride with him a bit when he's training in South Africa pre-season to see how much fun he has on the bike. So enjoy this conversation with the legend himself. Nino Schruter, welcome to the podcast. How are we doing? Hello, Andrew. I'm doing well with, uh, with the circumstances, with the crazy circumstances. But uh, yeah, all healthy, the family, um, we are allowed to train in Switzerland outside, so I'm a lot training outside, and we have actually really beautiful weather or beautiful spring weather here in Switzerland. So I'm enjoying my time back home and enjoying my rides. But I hope the this corona corona crisis is soon over and we can get back to racing. I think we all do. It's tough not to speak about it, you know, on a podcast. You don't want to always date the things, but it's clearly going to go on for a little bit longer. And you spoke about being home. It it, it must be interesting for you to almost lead a bit of a normal life, considering you've been racing, you know, for as long as anyone can remember. And this would be kind of peak racing season now. Yeah, I can't remember when I was that long and. and and one piece back home, especially now in this time. But I also enjoy that now. It's it's actually nice to once also enjoying home, enjoying family, um, yeah, doing a bit different things. Um, but for sure, I would be I would prefer to be racing now and uh, do actually my job. Um, but yeah, that's now how it is, and uh, I try to do the best out of it. Uh, I think nobody else can can do something uh, something uh, yeah in this whole situation to to no, just wait and yeah yeah it's out of our control and I I guess to be a good athlete um, at the top of your game you have to realize what you can control and what you can't but how is it have you kept your mind off things like the Olympics being postponed I mean that this is an Olympic year so. Talk to me about your headspace and readjusting to that all now. Yeah, first I was really afraid that they're just going to cancel it. And uh, yeah, I'm not the youngest anymore. And uh, yeah, four years later, 
would be no chance for me anymore. So I was a bit afraid, uh, are we going to cancel it? And then I was actually quite happy when they came out with the news that they are going to p- postpone it for for a year. Um, for sure, the first moment was like, uh, was a bit, yeah, I was prepared. Everything was was actually set for this year. But now I'm, I'm happy that we, yeah, it's just... Uh, another year and uh yeah i tried to prepare my, myself then for next year and uh i'm yeah i'm glad that they did uh, they didn't just uh canceled it because yeah it's it's a big dream and uh yeah it's it's going to be one of my uh last really important races so uh i'm really motivated for it and uh and, but now i'm already looking forward to next year and hope we all we are until then we are over that uh, that corona corona thing and uh yeah we can uh, have awesome games next year in uh, tokyo but i mean for the listener at home and someone that maybe is not clued up the preparation coming into an olympic year is not just a few months i mean you've been preparing mentally probably you know for almost years and and adapting your training it sounds like you've made peace with a lot of work you've put in is now lost and you have to reset. Yeah, you know that work is not lost. Like all every training you do or everything you try to improve, uh, it's not just gone because you you can't you use it now right now. So um, for sure, I in the Olympic year you try to do everything even better. You are more fo- more focused and you can't do every year the same like like this and um but all that work is for sure not lost it's like even now if i know i'm i am a really great trade but i can't really show it now it's still something you also take benefit in a year because you in as an athlete you you can't just stop training and then as soon as you know it's it's going on again start training again it's like all your work you put in it's also work you put in for next year um but for sure like the mental thing getting ready for an olympic year it's something special and then you know some of a sudden it's uh it's not going to happen but now it's it's actually much easier for me to know another date like the time in between when they said it's cancelled and we don't know when it's going to happen if it's going to happen that was yeah much much more difficult for for myself like to to don't know what's going on even right now at least we know now olympics is going to be next year almost to the same date date like like this year but uh what's in between it's like that i think that's the most difficult right now to don't know when it's going to be our next competition when is our next world cup are they even world cups this year that's that makes it uh, actually quite difficult but i try I, I try just to keep on training to keep on working hard also to escape a little bit this this unknown what's going to be happen, what's going to happen well, that's a brilliant attitude because I have heard other riders feel like they've lost um, all this training. I guess maybe they're not going to be able to show something for it. 
obviously it's not lost. Um, you build on it, and if you train correctly, you can have a have a break and then peak some more. But your attitude is clearly um, paramount because your other riders seem pretty depressed, frustrated, especially with the unknown. But you, you, you speak about your training. So how are you staying motivated? And actually, in general, how, how are you still so motivated um, after you know winning five world championships in a row? You're the reigning Olympic champion. I can understand that's a goal to win that again. But day to day, how do you stay motivated to train so hard? Maybe to come back to your first question, it's probably like for younger riders, there are some that are just now about to to see they are at the top. Probably it's harder for them because then they know now now I would have the chance, but now I can't show it. For myself, I I had already all those those moments where I'm able to to show what I'm capable, and I can take it probably a bit more relaxed because I I had many success and I can yeah I, I'm not under that pressure right now to to really show it right now so I I can totally understand every young, younger athlete that um, is now really struggling because he, he can't really show what he's capable right now but um, yeah and now for my situation I that's actually my job, what I really love. I really love to train. I love to, to work on myself, to, to try to get better. And I almost enjoyed that, putting in that work more than actually than the competition. So I, I'm, I, I, yeah, I, I love to go out and ride and, and do some hard trainings and coming back. That gives me a, gives me a, a good feeling to know what I, I, try to do the best possible what I can to get better and then hopefully yeah then one day showing it again so you've been quoted as saying like you have to love to suffer in this sport and to be an endurance athlete so there's an English word called fulfillment and your English is great at the moment and and it's almost where you derive your happiness from and it sounds like you get a lot of fulfillment from that suffering and putting in that hard work day in day out for sure you need to love a little bit that suffering but maybe you should also turn it around and don't see it really as a suffer it's like for sure it's sometimes hard and you suffer but it's also just yeah you can also see it you just try to go on your limits and you can also try to enjoy that that moment to really dig deep and to go to go hard and you don't have to see it now it's it's really suffering now it's now that's the time you can to actually show what you were able to like to improve your time up a hill or to improve a time in a downhill section or actually even if it's hard and it's tough uh that moment to enjoy and not to 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 see it as a suffer and i i always try try to do that sometimes i also like think ah oh, now it's just suffering but then then I'm also not on my I'm really best. I'm I'm on my really best when I actually really enjoy it and uh, I see, oh, now I'm performing really well and then I'm also on my really best. I don't know. We might need to check your head, <laughs> someone that loves suffering. But I think it comes from your passion. Uh, you're so relaxed for how serious the sport is and, you know, cross-country, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty similar to road from the endurance and, 
every little watt counts and everything you put in your body counts. And you seem to have just such a relaxed way about it um, for how sexful, successful you are. Has it always been this way, that's kind of relaxed attitude? Do you think it's come with age? Yeah, it's difficult. I, I probably... Yeah, it comes. It comes with the time and how you get into that. I I actually started without. I n never had really the dream to. To get now a professional, or I just get, accidentally actually in this. I I started as a kid doing races. I was really successful, and I, I was a always able to, to achieve all those results quite, with joy and. Probably all, you can also say maybe a bit easy. So I always somehow was in the right. I met the right people to help me. I met the. the I got really early in the best team uh, around Thomas Fischknecht, and I all those things. I really achieved somehow on an easy way, where I always had the joy and the fun, and it was never, yeah, too much of yeah hard work for me and that's maybe somehow that i was able to to get there and always to see it all also as a as a game and as a fun as a fun game and not really as a i must now achieve that or i must now get this result to get in this team or i i never felt that pressure that i have to perform well and uh yeah that's some solid advice for the youngsters out there if they're able to uh, use some of that attitude. It, it seems like you, you just were doing the processes and trying to enjoy it along the way and uh, the pro team and Frischnick was a byproduct and because of that he helped you step it up. Um, yeah, this... I think for, for young riders now, you see now a lot of like some different, like you see young young kids, they are really motivated, they do already everything to achieve their dreams. And then they, you see those that are somehow with a lot of joy and fun achieving almost the same. And I think as a as a kid, it's really important that you you don't follow a, a too strict training program or you don't, yeah, taking everything too seriously. Like up to the junior category, everything must go really easy and it must be a lot of fun. And if you need to put already too much um like just work or you training after a program i think then you're somehow on a on a wrong way or you are yeah maybe yeah that's so refreshing yeah. to hear because yeah. i've given similar advice for downhill riders because you need to develop your skill keep the passion and there's a lot of training coming your way if you do make it to a pro career and now you're saying even in cross country, you're hoping these riders would would keep the passion, have fun, build maybe that skill set on the bike, trials, downhill, whatever it may be, because there is a lot of structure and training. And, and I, I agree. I think a lot of people get burnt out before they even have a chance to show what they're made of. Yeah, 100%. Like, it's like, yeah, the first thing you need really to enjoy to ride your bike. And the best thing is if you are a few together, and then you push anyway, you're pushing yourself or together you always try to beat you, your mate and you, your friend and then you challenge you down the hill, up the hill and that's the best 
training actually for a kid, like just to have fun with with some friends together, going riding, and and then you push you anyway to to get better, and you you're riding hard. But if it's too early, too much structure and too much professional at the beginning, I think then uh, you you're losing that joy, and then you are also not really able to to uh, show really what you are capable. And uh, I think that you see that in, in downhill and in cross country, in all different kinds of sports. And I think that's really important that the kids are really, they're starting it because they enjoy it and not because they want to get the pro or, or they want to get, yeah. And that's how I also started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a dangerous game. We see it in South Africa and um, there's uh, junior school leagues and, and, and cycling leagues and races, which is great. It's become a really popular sport, as you know, because of the Cape Epic and the late Barry Stander. And now you coming in and it's popular, but they're they're after the lightest cross-country bike and they're after, and unfortunately, sometimes the parents are after the latest training program or trying to mimic what you do and and it's nice to hear it from you and it's refreshing for the kids out there and and everyone that that you've got to follow your passion and and develop that first but speaking of that i mean when you're not training i see that you're on your bike anyway it'll be your enduro bike in the off season and i know you got built up a, a downhill bike scott sent you a downhill <laughs> bike so um yeah, tell the tell the listener a little bit more more about that. Like when your off season is often still riding, not not hard training, but you're still out on your bike and you live in a beautiful place in Switzerland. Yeah, I really enjoy to be outside and I really enjoy to to be active outside. So as soon as races are over and in off season, I actually enjoy to then have also the time to do some enduro rides, even to go an hour. That I have a downhill bike, even to go once with the downhill bike uh, using the gondolas. It's something I don't really have time during my season, uh, and and then I really enjoy to do that all that stuff uh, in off season, and uh, also sometimes in between on my race day. Now I uh, since my since my daughter is also riding, we we often go to pump tracks, and then we ride together there on the pump tracks, and we both have fun, and uh, I really enjoy to to be outside and especially now also with my daughter it's i really enjoy to show her also my passion and uh it's cool to see that she also enjoys to yeah to to ride on a pump track and it's really cool to see how quick uh, kids are making improvements and um yeah and also other sports in winter i, I really enjoy to go on backcountry skiing where it's still a, a bit of training for me you have to walk up the mountain and then at the top you can then uh, yeah have a nice descent down uh, yeah that's all kind of stuff i really enjoy and yeah <laughs> and um, a typical training morning or just a morning have you got any rituals i know you like your coffee speaking of things that you enjoy brendan said you've got quite the setup there yeah, good coffee is a must. <laughs> <laughs> I normally I, I, I sleep a bit longer, uh, so because uh, sleep is really important as an athlete. So I'm not the the morning the morning guy. So um, but then a good coffee, uh, have a good good healthy breakfast, and then have a 
session in the morning. Mostly I do like gyms in the morning or I go for a run or sometimes I ride in the morning and then again in the afternoon. So mostly I do two, two trainings. Um, yeah, then I have, have lunch uh, together with my family and in the afternoon I mostly go, go riding. Uh, yeah, and then have a chilled evening. Uh, I really enjoy to have to do some fires uh, outside and have a nice braai. Uh, I learned that in, in South Africa how you how you have to braai proper. <laughs> and nice. uh, yeah, that's a normal day. How a normal day looks like. <laughs> and then uh, rinse and repeat. And six days a week. Exactly. I've been watching watching a lot of your training right now, videos. Right now it's really six, uh, seven days a week, <laughs> almost the same because there are no races, no competition. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah, shame. We all wish there were there was more racing, but it seems like uh, you've been at the the head of almost changing the training and the the sport in a way. You know, back when Frishy was riding you know he's quoted as saying he used to just do all his training on the bike sometimes just too much wasn't that structured you've really um involved gym a lot and and strength work do you see yourself as someone that's changed this the sport and and how you train for it yeah first probably the, the sport changed also a lot when you like see the races that Frishy did uh, yeah 20 years ago it it looks now totally different. Like they had big loops with some uh, long climbs in it. The races were sometimes over three hours. So the, cha the, the like cross country changed a lot. Now we are on short loops. Um, our climbs are never really long. It's like, and uh, they are getting more technical. It's, it's actually, it's not the same anymore. Like it, it was when when Frishy was racing so it it has to be different like training has has to look different right now than it back then so so back then it looked more like like uh road riders train because you you had to be ready for for big climbs um now you have to be much more powerful you see also like the athletes they are at the top now or the they are much more powerful riders, like heavier guys that are able to to push hard over short short uh, short uphills, and uh, are also a bit more have a bit more muscle than than back then. So, and to achieve that, you you need to do some a lot of core uh, training to get your core ready, like to hold all all that. The power, but hold your bike also with those technical things. Then you need to have a bit of stronger upper body, like your arms also need to be ready for for yeah for the descents, for drops, everything like this. And in steep uphills, you also need a lot of your 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 upper body. And then yeah, also like you need to have for the short steep uphills, you need to have more power in your legs as well. So. The, the weight is not as important anymore as, as back then, but you need to be more powerful. And for that, we already, I was, that's probably right. I was one or my, my coach was really into this early. I started already, um, yeah, in 2000, 2003 when, when no, none of the cyclists were in the gym. We, he already said it's important to go to the gym, also do some gym work, do, to do some 
some squats for your legs, do a lot of coordination, balance stuff as well. And uh, yeah, now I'm doing that for, for 20 years. And uh, yeah, I, I also improved it a lot and, and we're able, now I'm really able to, yeah, also to uh, take benefits out of it. And now a lot of people are doing it similar as I do, but it's probably also because they realize the sport changed, not just because I'm doing it. Yeah, the sport definitely has changed. I mean, your optimum race time is like half of back in the day, hour 30, hour 40 minutes. And I mean, you, you train a lot with your teammates and you've got a great team and it's, you seem to thrive under it. But I don't see a lot of top riders being able to do this. It looks like you're happy to share a lot of your training secrets. You're doing training videos with your sponsors and for yourself. And you, you seem to be giving out a lot of information there. And, and I'm just, I'm almost surprised that you're not keeping it to yourself um, and you're able to you just seem to be very open to share and help other riders yeah I quite enjoy to to show what I do or how my way look uh, is how I do it a lot of other athletes are doing it different I also don't say it, it has to be how I doing it's I think there's many ways to success um, but that's that's my one and it's it's also works for me quite well but it don't have to say or maybe it's for another athlete to be successful it has to be different so and uh yeah i, I enjoy to show because i get a lot of people asking always how i do that and i, I really enjoy to show what i'm doing um and i'm also not afraid that someone you know it's always one part of it but it's one one thing of of thousands. So if I show how I do intervals uh, or how I should do the how I do the force training, it's still like what I doing uh, uh, for all the rest. It's like it's just one piece, and um, you you still have you can't really copy exactly what I am doing. And you still need to feel how that how your body reacts on that, and I think that's still a big. I'm I'm not afraid that so that I give out too much that someone can can really uh, beat me because I showed that much. I, that's what I feel. It seems like you've got all those pieces working and clicking together. I mean, that led to a perfect season in 2017, and you spoke about you know they would still need to do a lot of other things. Did you start literally knowing that you could win all those races unless something had to go wrong with your, your bike? Uh, or, or, you know, what sort of pressure did you start feeling in that perfect season? Yeah, that was funny that year. It's like was I was, after 2016 when I got a Olympic champion in Rio, I, I was really motivated in training, but I took everything not that serious anymore i can remember when i was in training camp with, with all my teammates in south africa i trained every day with them together really serious but in the evening i had a lot of of good dinners with friends i i drank probably a bit more wine than i normally do and i i was quite chilled about the season because i knew i just won the olympics and i can take it now a bit easier and that that maybe made made the difference, like not to feel that pressure and just take it easy. It's uh, I, I I achieved my big dream and now I can I I can take everything a bit easier or approach those races with with less pressure and um, and then it turned out to be a 
to to be yeah my best season ever and then for sure after a while when i saw now i won five world cups in a row um now it would be cool to do another one and another one to win all of them so towards the end of the season it got more serious and more serious for myself and that um but it that it doesn't mean that it gets that it get or it probably just get harder because you you put yourself more pressure on well, that's uh, fascinating to hear, and it's that perfect storm of being relaxed enough, serious enough, but relaxed enough to not get in your that's own right. way, and then you started yeah. racking off those wins. Um, I mean, that's an unbelievable feat. I think that's that's the hardest thing to achieve, that to actually to have that self-confidence, but still to know, yeah, it's not that... or not to put you too much pressure, but still take it enough serious. Like this balance, if you find this perfect balance, then you per- perform on your really, really best. Yeah, and if you're too confident, then you get complacent and then mistakes start happening or your rivals start beating you. So how do you get, have you, I mean, how do you get to that point? Um, I think, yeah, one one thing is for sure, like with the time, it gets a bit easier if you know you achieved a lot of things you are you wanted, but also like to know you you actually did everything what you needs to what you if you know you did all your your planning right, then you you did like the the whole training as well right. You know you did everything what you think it's it's the best, and then with the time you you get to to small like uh, steps in between, you know, you achieve this and this, and then you can slowly build up your your self confidence, and then to stand stand at the start line, you know, you did everything, and uh, now you also need to have that little bit of good luck you always need in a race, and uh, but that's the most important for myself to know I I actually did everything what I think is is you need to do to be there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to shift gears a little bit, and, and I'm not sure if you had a chance to think about some untold stories. Um, one pops to mind, I heard a rumor that before that Olympic win, you were in the gym feeling pretty good, and you put maybe a little bit too much weight on for a squat, and, and I'm just trying to understand if that was true, and you actually injured yourself. Yeah, that was uh, 2012, just before the Olympics. It was like um, I think yeah two days before before we we left to to London, and I went to my gym where I always went back then, and then the gym was closed, and I was ah oh, shit now I my last gym training before Olympics the gym is closed because they I don't know they had to to clean something or whatever, so I had to go to another gym, and uh, that went it was not all everything the same, but I. I wanted to do my my training as as perfect as I could and then I was just one second I wasn't 100% focused and I couldn't hold all the weight uh, on my core and I actually injured my muscles uh, my my muscles in the back and I was I was so sore after I came when I when we got to the airplane and I couldn't lift my, not even my backs anymore. It was so sore, all my back. And I was so afraid. Now nah, it's just the, I don't know, it was five days before the race. 
and then we worked every day together with my physio on my back and I think on race day, just on race day, I was I was quite fine again. But I was so afraid, like to have such sore sore uh, back just uh, before one of my most important races. And uh, yeah, but also there, it's like that shows you how yeah you you have to be always hundred percent focused if you if you do your uh, your training. That sounds so <laughs> stressful before one of the biggest events. I can just picture you going to the gym and and going I you know I have to do this session you know I have to tick everything off before I go to Olympics and then you go to an unknown gym and you're not quite focused the irony in that is is terrible but you've been able to win that Olympic medal and and many world championships have you got any untold stories or funny things from the road um, that anything that pops to mind yeah well, one funny story when I when I won my really first uh, World Cup uh, in Dolby Forest, I think it was 2010. It was like I just I just won my my first World Cup, and uh, uh, was everybody was like super happy, and uh, yeah, and we have to celebrate. And then, but we had to to go to the airplane uh, to the airport uh, right right after the race, and then because. Uh, we were driving our rental car a bit, uh, probably not always correct. <laughs> Something was broken. And then it was like the, the worst uh, trip back home. We had to, to get into, uh, how you call the cars that are when you have something, your car is not uh, yeah, like road going road anymore. Road. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, then... <laughs> We had to drive three hours in a like in a truck with our car on the back, and the truck was like the back seat where we had to sit was like so straight. And I was like, just after the race, uh, I was a bit tired, and that back seat was so straight. And we had to every everybody had to get in this truck, and it was oh, so uncomfortable. Oh the tow truck! Oh no! Yeah, the tow truck, <laughs> and it was like. So after my first uh, World Cup win, I was like sitting three hours in a, in that tow truck uh, with completely straight back, and I was just like, actually, we want like, like to celebrate that victory, but we are sitting now in this truck and we have to drive for three hours, and it was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's uh, with yeah, traveling that sometimes. <laughs> Shame your first World Cup, you just want to relax and. <laughs> And celebrate. I mean, that shows you how quick you go back to normal life. So you can't always rely on results to make you happy stuck in a tow truck. I once, um, I was once at Motocross World Champs Des Nations, and I'll give you the short version. And we also had an issue with our rental car. You know, these rental cars just sometimes break down, don't they? And um, <laughs> we got put on a tow truck. But probably, probably it's yeah. Sometimes it's not going all correct there. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so weird how these rentals just sometimes break down on the way to the airport as well. And uh, we got put on the the back of a tow truck, like you spoke. And yes, I remember. So we're sitting in the back, very straight up seats, and he goes out the side of this lay-by uh, petrol station on a small French road. And it's quite a narrow road. And he literally, we had an accident with the tow truck with our car on the back. He hit another car, like Ooh. came around a blind corner. <laughs> so we had an accident in the tow truck. But uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a longer version of that story that we'll share over some wine sometime in South Africa. <laughs> <hopefully>. <laughs> but um, 
I do want to shift gears a little bit back to some of the racing. And, um, you know, you being at the top of the sport, have you got the top three rivals over the year? I, kn I know you had some epic battles with Absalon. You've got some new rivals with Van der Poel. But have you got, if you could name top three of your biggest rivals over the years? Yeah, first one is for sure Julien Absalon. I think I had the the best battles with him like we had so many really tough battles but good battles like sometimes he won sometimes i won and uh sometimes it was also so close like i remember like yeah also like that that first world cup win when i won in dolby forest or my first world champion uh title in uh in uh uh, Canberra was so close sprint finish again him and then all the ones that he won as well like that was probably the best battles I had with him and it was like he was or he's still that that mountain bike legend and it was I think that was that were the best battles so far I had with with anyone yeah and then epic. yeah I think I still when I sometimes see pictures of those battles I feel ah that were really we were so both so so equal and that makes it actually if you win then it makes everything even better if you know you you had it it was so close and in the end you turned up to be to be the winner or sometimes also second it's like those battles they they i really enjoyed and uh number two it's now a bit difficult i probably yaroslav i had also really hard battles against him um there it was like always a bit like I won or he won. It was never as close as Julie and I. Like uh, sometimes when when he won, he was clearly the stronger. When I won, I was mostly also clearly a bit stronger. So it was never that close racing, but it was still a lot of good battles. I remember one or oh, that was also quite close, like the one in the World Championships in in Kearns. Where I won, oh yeah, and the Olympics was also really close. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, London when I got there. Some crazy ones. <laughs> so man. it was. So yeah, now I actually have to correct that. We also had really a lot of, of hard, yeah, and close battles, but also like one year when he won almost everything, like I, I had no chance against him. So then I always like I tried to beat him, but I always got second and. Uh, yeah, and now number three for sure, Vanderpool. Now he's yeah. Now last year was the first year we really had some battles to, against each other, and uh, but also there were were yeah some good battles, um, and I also enjoyed that. It's it's also it's yeah it's always cool to to race against someone that has uh, yeah achieved already a lot and uh, I really enjoyed also those battles with, with him last year. Yeah, it seems like uh, all these rivals bring out the best in you and you wouldn't really have it any other way. Um, and you've done you've done some road racing. Uh, you know, in 2014 you did a little bit and maybe that hurt some of your racing. Have you thought about moving over to the road uh, in the future or ever? Uh, no, I, I'm, I started with mountain biking and I, I grew up with mountain biking and that 2014 was just like, yeah, I was just to try out once, could that be something for me? Like, but I really realized quite quick, I'm the mountain biker and I also really enjoy that 
the technical aspect, what you need in our sport. And um, I also really enjoy to be away from, from, from roads, away from traffic and to train actually in the woods. And I realized when I did that, uh, it was awesome experience. I think it also like for my career, it helped me a lot, but I also saw like, I, I don't want to be a road pro. I want to be a mountain bike pro. And, uh, I think also that experience was important for me to to get that, and I know I knew then I'm I, I actually do what I'm what I love, and also where I'm best. Yeah, that, that's uh, another little bit of a lesson. You went and kind of tested that and gave it a go, and I think in all walks of life or other athletes, if they're doubting things, you could go and test what it's like, and you think it helped you, but it helped you make a decision that you want to stay in mountain biking till till the end of your career. Yeah, it's like it was was really cool to actually to 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 get that chance. Like to you know, it's normally it's it's hard just to go and try out pro tour to ride there. But I, I yeah, it was cool to get that chance from back then it was Orica Green Edge and uh, was was cool. Like got that chance and uh, yeah, as I said, I learned a lot and it helped me also a lot in, in my career. But um, yeah. I'm the mountain biker. <laughs> you, that you are, a reigning World Cup champ and world champion and Olympic champion. I think uh, that's fair to say you are. And speaking of someone that, uh, you know, it's sad to say, and you spoke very highly of, of the late Barry Stunder, one of South African sport icons, um, Cape Epic winner himself and under-23 world champion. Do you, do you ever think about what he could have achieved in this sport? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was he was an awesome athlete. Um, I also had some good battles with him. Um, one, the, yeah, the, on the Swansea Three World Championships. So I think two thousand eight, where he got second, and then the, yeah, Cape Epic a few times together. Um, yeah, we had also yeah some some tough battles, and I think he yeah he had the talent to 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 yeah to be the best in the sport so um yeah it's, it was really sad to yeah he passed away and uh yeah we lost a, a big yeah big ta- uh, talent and uh, also a big um, personality in the sport he was actually great for the sport as well just as a as a port as a person not just as a as an athlete as well well, we appreciate those kind words. I think uh, not much will do it justice for, for losing a rider of that stature, but his character and his personality for the sport. And for yourself, have you got um, a setback, an injury that was the toughest you had to come back from? Does anything come to mind? Uh, no, I was I was really lucky through my whole career. Uh, touch wood now. Yeah, um, I'll touch wood as well. I've got a wooden desk. I'll tap it for you. Um. No, I, I never had really bad injuries. Uh, yeah, well, I I got through quite quite smooth. Uh, I just uh, in on the downhill race was actually my worst crash I ever had. When I was yeah, as as a kid, I did also some downhill races, and I once there had a, a really bad concussion, and uh, I crashed hard. I jumped in on a jump to four into the compression, and I hit my my head on my handlebar that's what they told me i don't know anything from that anymore and then i just i, I stood up again and kept going full gas on the, the next next jump i even got 
uh, jumped further and crashed again. <laughs> and the next moment I woke up again in hospital with a really bad uh, concussion. But that was actually my worst, worst thing ever I had, actually. And I'm, I'm glad I got through, um, yeah, without any really bad injuries or, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a testament to your preparation and how um, focused you are to to mitigate some of those risks because it still is a dangerous sport. I mean, you're basically riding around naked in that Lycra, so I'm surprised you haven't hurt yourself more. Yeah, but I don't think it's a dangerous sport. Like, you know, it's like, it's not, it's, you never have to go, Downhill, you never have to go really on your limit, or it's not cl- or not smart to really go on your limit because then you're also um, uh, going at risk of mechanicals or crashes. So you you and you always never go too fast down the hill. You know, with a, with a cross count back, if you go over thirty k's an hour, you already go quite fast on a on a trail. So, and if you crash, I think. It's like there are other sports that are more, much more dangerous. If you, I think the most dangerous what I do in my sport is riding on the on the road when when there are cars involved. Like uh, I think that's the most dangerous. As soon as I'm on the trails, I think it's not a dangerous sport because you are alone um, and uh, you are not too fast. And that's how also you don't see too many back pressures in. In, in mountain biking downhill it's a bit downhill it's a little bit a little bit different but even there yeah it's not there are sport like compared to soccer if you compare how much people that got injured playing soccer because it's more people involved like and someone hits or slides into you get injured on your knees and your ankles all those those also really bad injuries you don't see in cycling yeah, I think at a professional level, you 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 know what you can do and what you're capable of, so you're always known, you know, what risk to take. Maybe on an amateur level, cycling can be dangerous, but people need to take the pros' advice, and pros try not to do something out of their limits, and they know where they are. You say that though, but that 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 YouTube video we put of me following you when you went to flat. <laughs> You definitely were pushing the limits there. I'll try to link to that in the show notes if I remember. I keep saying I'm going to link things, but then I just enjoy having the conversation. I never do. But um, that's that's nice to hear your your, your thoughts on that. Uh, just a second, Andrew. Sorry, just a second. It's just my daughter. We, just no, please carry on. She wants an ice cream right oh, now. Nice. <laughs> of course, go give it. We got lots of time, dude. <laughs> right? Of course, right now. It's okay. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> I might leave some of that in. I think it's more authentic. It's cool. It shows the family man. Yeah, that was a fun downhill down, down the, or actually the whole whole uh, that was the GoPro shoot was actually fun with you. Yeah, and we, also we that, that last that last run down the down the, uh, the hill there was uh, we definitely pushed the limit, but yeah, well, well that's nothing happened. I was, a, I was <laughs> a bit I was a bit worried when you say you never really ride over your limits because the pace was pretty fast, and I was on my enduro bike and you on your little XE bike. Well, Nino, I'm I'm really interested, and I think the listener is as well. What does the future hold for you? Now we know that the Olympics are postponed, so we know we're going to see you racing in 2021. Um, 
You know, what what does the future hold? Um, yeah, uh, even before that Corona crisis, I already decided to do two more years as 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 I do right now, like uh, until twenty twenty two. So I just resigned uh, with uh, Scott's Ram team um, uh, in winter, and uh, yeah, I anyway still motivated and uh, yeah. Even now, if the Olympics got postponed, it nothing changed for me. I I want to race in, race uh, World Cups until 2022, and then even then, I I I don't know if I still keep going with some races. Like there are a lot of races I still would like to do, um, and I never have had the time to do it. Like some um, yeah, like similar races like the Cape Epic there are a lot of really cool stage races all over the world but I would love to do more then also maybe do once a bit uh, enduro races not to to really try to to win them more for the fun um, and uh, yeah so I really still enjoy and I really enjoy to like be an ambassador for a lot of uh, cycling brands and uh, I'm probably Keep going with that for yeah, a few more, a few more years, and then I don't know where where my future is then. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's great to hear that we're going to see you in the sport for almost a long time to come, and I think your passion shines through. You're a real role model to the youngsters, so um, I commend you on that, and um, I enjoyed speaking to you. I think you've been really good with your time and. Let's uh, let's hope to catch up sooner rather than later if this uh, this virus can uh, get get out of there. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah, I'm I'm already already looking forward to come back to South Africa. I, I always really enjoy uh, um, yeah training camps in, in Stellenbosch, riding with you on uh, on your trails, and uh, yeah, I really hope that that uh, all that thing, all that stuff is soon over and uh, we can get back to normal to normal uh, routines yeah well thanks again for your time and, and good luck with the training and resetting for the the racing to kick off so good luck with all that Nino thank you thanks for that uh, nice chat Andrew and there you have it a great chat with the legend himself Nino Schroeter what a humble guy for all he's achieved in the sport and he's doing it with a big smile on his face so I think he's a big inspiration to the kids out there and just the everyday rider. So thanks guys for tuning in. Give me a rating, give me a review. You know what to do on those podcast platforms. I really appreciate it. Until the next one, stay well.